0: Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and as always, over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. And if you haven't done so, please leave me a review on Apple Podcast if that is your mode of listening to the show. I read each and every one of these as evidenced by me reading new reviews every single week. The newest review comes from W 393 who says, Great podcast, five stars. I've been listening since October of last year. This podcast is really great and one of the only ones I consistently listen to. This September, I will become a PCV in Senegal. And I look forward to continuing to listen. I also share your Senegal episodes to my training group's Facebook group so they can listen to them. I like the most recent podcast because my aunt and uncle are both RPCVs. Both served together in Barbados and Philippines and were also influential in my choice to join the Peace Corps. In July, I visited the Statue of Liberty and saw the PC poster that you referred to in this week's episode. Well, Katie is referring to last week's episode with Daryl. If you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. On this week's episode, I have something a little bit different. A story from someone who did not serve in the Peace Corps, but is here today because of the Peace Corps. Her parents met her father was serving as a volunteer and her mother was a host country national. So without further ado,
1: this is this is this is this is my my peace corps peace corps my peace corps my peace corps, my peace corps story, story 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 My name is Julie or Fuentes and this is my peace corps story. So my peace corps story is a little bit different than others that you've probably heard on this podcast. I was not in the Peace Corps, but my father was in the 1960s. He served in Peru, and that's how he met my mother. So I often think that about how Peace Corps, if it weren't for the Peace Corps, that I wouldn't be here. And um, his Peace Corps experience um, has really has shaped, shaped our family and, and our life. I'm going to talk a little bit about my father and and where he came from, and my mom and and how they met. My dad, he grew up in a town with about one thousand people in Oakland, Oregon. It's a very a very small town. He had not uh, done a whole lot of traveling um, up until that point, and. Had the idea that he wanted to serve in the Peace Corps. he was always really interested in traveling and geography, and so I had actually asked him uh, a while back how it is that he chose Peru. Um, I know oftentimes you don't you know in the Peace corps you don't necessarily choose where you serve, but in this case he he did actually uh, want to go to Peru, and it was all based on Um, a National Geographic uh, issue that had uh, a picture of Machu Picchu on, on the front cover. Um, And he saw that and he thought, yeah, I think I'd like to go to Peru. And so um, I think it was 1965. And so not having left the country up until then, um, he set off, uh, you know, training in Cornell and then a propeller plane from, from Miami to Lima and he was there for two years and uh with a year additional working for the USAID and so Lima is where my mom was born and raised and she with her um raised in Lima uh, with her 11 siblings her parents had migrated to the city from a pretty remote part of the Andes mountains and She uh, had found a job working in the U.S. Embassy for a bit and then shortly thereafter worked in the Peace Corps office in Lima. And so that's how how my parents met. My dad worked supporting credit unions up in in the highlands near Puno. And um, that was just a a really transformative experience for him. Just really... um, you know, opened, opened his eyes quite a bit. And of course, you know, he did, he, he, met, he met my mom there. And uh, eventually they came back to the United States and settled in a slightly bigger town than Oakland, Oregon, where my dad was raised, in a city called Roseburg, with probably about a population of about 15,000 people. And back in the 70s, when I was born, and my brother too, he and I were born and raised in Roseburg. At one point, it was called the timber capital of the world. Um, very, you know, really homogenous, really supportive and, and great community in a lot of ways. And, and also just, you know, 99% white. And, um, so this was sort of, this was the community that, that, that my brother and I went to school from kindergarten or preschool to, through high school. Um, and at that time there, you know, the world was a lot bigger, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I remember my, my mom making very occasional, you know, costly, you know, calls, long distance calls to Peru to talk to her family. we uh, were able to travel there, you know, a number a number of times throughout my childhood to to visit all my different relatives. I want to sort of skip ahead a little bit to, um, uh, you know, through my through my childhood. Um, apart from sort of these visits to Peru, um, you know, every maybe every few years, every three to five years it really seemed like, you know, worlds and worlds away. All of my, all of my relatives on my mom's side were still in Peru. There was not a Spanish speaking community where we were. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, there were, there's hardly, hardly anybody who didn't, who wasn't from, uh, from the United States. And, um, I don't think I realized it at the, at that time growing up, um, that, we did have such a different background than everyone else, you know. I think I just sort of, you know, did my best to really, um, you know, to blend in and 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 uh, get by and um, you know do well in school and all those things that um, a lot of us try to do. And it wasn't until I took a trip to Peru, college, and uh, I had uh, actually gone to a pretty like homogenous sort of college as well. So I still sort of had not really been sort of that exposed to in a whole lot of ethnic and racial diversity. I still really hadn't met a lot of people, you know, with similar backgrounds as myself. Um, And so when I went to Peru, you know, a lot of what I was I was really curious about, I was really excited about was, you know, sort of getting better acquainted with Sort of the side of the family that I, I hadn't been very in touch with throughout my childhood. So, I, I traveled I traveled there with with my mom, and I actually ended up staying there and staying with my relatives for a year. Um, but there was one experience during that time that just that that really was pivotal, made a really big impression on me. And you know, we were traveling. Um, we had visited Cusco and Machu Picchu. And we're traveling by train. It was a really like an eight or nine hour train ride through the mountains. And I'd gotten up to, you know, stretch my legs in between cars. And I just happened to strike a conversation with someone, another young woman who, you know, looked a similar age as I. And pretty soon, really quickly, you know, discovered that um, we were the same age, that we both, both of our moms were from Peru, and that both of our dads had served in the Peace Corps. And, you know, that was pretty exciting. I just, I never really even stopped to consider that there were other people like, with with that similar background and what we, we ended up sitting and she had an empty seat next to her and we ended up talking for hours for the remainder of the trip and realized we had a lot, a lot in common. One of the things, you know, we studied anthropology and school, we were really interested in inter, you know, cultural exchange and sort of dreamt about sort of trying to start some, some kind of program up in, in both of our, you know, families, you know, in terms of grandparents were from, from sort of the rural part of, of Peru. So, um, you know, I, I went away from that uh, experience like I said, just sort of, I had a new awareness, I guess you could say, because like I said, I really, as a child, didn't really think about how I might've been different than other kids or how our family might've been different than other families. Um, But after having that experience of being able to relate to someone in ways that I hadn't before, at the same time, it made me realize how I, 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 what I guess what I missed or what I hadn't what how I hadn't been able to connect up until that point. Um, and so, you know, we the plans we made didn't quite sort of um, come to fruition., uh, we stayed in touch for a little bit, and we both kind of moved on in our lives. But like I said, that that um years later is I've uh, found myself particularly in in this time that we're in right now, where, Um, There's a lot of talk uh, about uh, racial and ethnic identity, a lot of talk about racial justice, uh, lots of conversations happening. Um, The last couple of years, I really have been reflecting more on sort of my own identity. And up to this point, you know, I really I've thought about myself as, as Peruvian American. I have a I have dual citizenship. Um, my parents live and my brother lives in Peru. I feel very, I, I, I've invested a lot of my adult life in really trying to connect better with um, with Peru. Um, that's been really important to me. Uh, recently, however, though, I've really sort of been exploring this idea or this sort of part of my identity that's neither Peruvian nor American and it's sort of more of this what I you know, what I call for I guess lack of a better term as sort of a mixed uh, mixed identity, and I've I've come to that in in and I can look back and and really see some of my look over the past you know twenty years and see this really clear pattern of of really connecting with people um, in a really special way of people who. You know, not necessarily who, you know have parents in the Peace Corps or have you know uh, one parent from Peru, but just people who have a mixed identity, whether it be um, you know, navigating two worlds because their parents are 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 were immigrants from a close friend I have who's who are immigrants from from India, and she sort of grew up navigating those different cultures or or um another close friend who you know who mother whose mother is from Jamaica and who's black and whose whose father is white. I've just really found uh, an affinity and a way to relate with people with with mixed identity uh, in a way that I haven't. Um, that I just I, that I haven't you know with with folks with just maybe a little more uh, straightforward identity, and so you know, part of what in those last couple of years, I've just kind of uh, this idea of, of, you know, um, Peace Corps kids or Peace Corps babies, um, which kind of came to me, maybe about eight years ago, I started a Facebook group, a Facebook group called Peace Corps Babies. And I had this moment where I thought, yeah, I'm gonna start this group. I was really excited about it. And then I started it. And I thought, how am i going to find how am i going to find other peace corps babies like i was just sort of lost um, but as as these other issues have been brewing and i really feel like in addition to my own you know desire to connect and feel like i'm a part of a community that shares a similar identity i've also really feel like you know that people with mixed identity have a really Important perspective, and have a really important to role to play as we work to have these difficult conversations about race, and we work uh, for for racial justice and um, for for racial healing. And so, uh, just this year, you know, find the things, the sort of things, kind of came together, um, and I decided, you know, what am I sort of waiting for? Um, you know, with, with, with communication technology, the way it is now, um, you know, it just occurred to me, let's just, I could just start a website and just, I applied for the National Peace Corps Association affiliate group and just started talking to people about this idea of, of kind of creating this network. And, um, it, I started just to discover that there were Peace Corps kids in my life that I did not even know, uh, were there. And, for, and so little by little, even just in the short, you know, I don't know, I think it's only been a few months and maybe about six months where I really started the, to decide that I'm going to do this and start, you know, building, building the concept and website. Um, it's real. I've gotten a lot of traction some really great feedback. And I just feel more excited than ever to to kind of continue to build this network and just see um, and this community and see see where it goes.
0: Well, Julie, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for taking some time to speak with me on the My Peace Corps Story podcast.
1: You're welcome, Tyler. It's great. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for the opportunity.
0: My pleasure. And and I'd like when I get to tell, you know, the full experience of of Peace Corps. That's what I wanted to do when I started this project, that it was the good, the bad, uh, and, and everything about the Peace Corps. And I never even considered uh, of interviewing someone like yourself who, you know, you didn't serve in the Peace Corps, but as you said, you wouldn't be here without it. And in sort of investigating that a little bit more, um, the stories you heard in your childhood from your, your father's service, and then also uh, diving into to the project you're doing, Peace Corps Kids.
1: Yeah, great. I'm really excited to talk about it.
0: Well, starting off, I, I love the fact that your father wanted to go to Peru and go to the Peace Corps all because of uh, National Geographic and the cover of National mm-hmm. Geographic for two reasons. One, that's one of the things that I credit for my desire to go to Peace Corps is National Geographic, Discovery Channel, growing up in a sort of semi-rural environment in Kentucky and wanting to go explore those places and go explore those cultures. And then as you were saying it, I was actually staring at a picture of Machu Picchu hanging on my wall. Uh, So I was like, well, it's like, well, this is, uh, this is perfect. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Uh, So that just really resonated with me. And I think a lot of people will understand that as well, of, you know, growing up in a community and never having that access to other cultures and always wanting to investigate it. And I also find it interesting that after your parents met, that they then went back to a homogenous white America. Uh, Did you you ever talk to them about that, of why they picked to... To land where they landed when they came back to the United States what was the decision of uh, ending up where they did
1: you know that is a really good question and I think I'm imagining I haven't asked it explicitly but um, that you know is about about family um, I know that my dad my parents actually settled in Portland you know which still not super diverse but a little bit bigger city and he got his, um, after serving, got his MBA and, um, became a CPA. And I think, um, starting a business somewhere where he had, uh, a network or people, um, that he knew, um, was, was going to be really important. And, uh, and it was also, you know, 15 times bigger than Oakland (laughs) Mm -hmm. was a lot bigger than where he grew up. And it was, you know, close enough, um, to be able to, um, you know, stay, stay in touch and be close to his parents. I will say though, that, um, his father was not super happy about him marrying my mom. Mm
0: -hmm. And,
1: um, I think uh, my grandma, on the other hand, um, both uh, was what tried really hard, I think, to sort of be a bit of a bridge or be, you know, more welcoming she, I guess she sent her a letter, my mom a letter from to Peru after hearing about the news and wanted to welcome her to the family. Um, however my, my grandfather was not happy. And, um, my sense is growing up that that was a source of tension. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not easy, you know, to sit with. Um, and, uh, I, I, I believe, and I'm not going to get the date right, but, you know, I think interracial marriage, you know, at that point in time, it still wasn't legal in some states. Obviously, it wasn't Oregon, or at least it hadn't been. For, it hadn't been legal for for very long. And my grandpa, he and I, at least a couple generations before him, grew up in Missouri. And um, you know, I think that uh, he he just was not he was just not open to um, to that idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't actually even think about that you know i was imagining your father serving when he did in the early years of the peace corps and the difficult the difficulties of being disconnected and sort of it's was a a different time uh, for for peace corps volunteers in service you were much more remote and on, on your own and uh not as connected but then i completely blanked on the fact of as you said you know given the interracial tensions that were still very heavy and in some states um, legally enforced uh, separation at that time that was we were still dealing with um did did your mother ever really find did you feel as you were growing up did she have a a sense of community you said there weren't many spanish speakers um were there were there really any I mean mm-hmm. did you feel that she had friends um growing up
1: um, you know she had a a couple friends um and there was a group that met <laughs> I just remember and I might probably getting this wrong, but what I just remember is this network of people who were who and it was all centered around like gourmet dinners. <laughs> <laughs> And for some reason, I think those might have been sort of the more worldly uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) folks in the community. And so I I feel like there was, um, uh, uh, you know, there were, there was, I think they had a group of friends, I think that were pretty receptive um, to her and, um, you know, to people from, from different cultures. We, I, I know my, my brother, my dad at 40 had this huge party and you know, serve Peruvian food and all those friends. And um but, you know, most of those friends in that community was really centered around my father's social network. There mm-hmm. was one other one other Peruvian family, and interestingly my husband, who's also from Roseburg, um one of his best friends, he was best friends with the with um this uh a Peruvian kid who the only <laughs> other Peruvian family um <laughs> Who I actually didn't go to the same school with, so I didn't really know them. But he, um, uh, there was one other proving family in in Roseburg at the time, and um, but yeah, no, I think it was sort of, you know, I think this, and this brings up sort of, I guess, you know, I think it's something that many immigrants s- struggle with a bit, right? And probably, and even more so if you're in a community like 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 Roseburg, is that you. I think you tend to feel like you really just need to fit in and blend in and you need to work hard. You need to really work hard to do that. And I think it can, you know, now I think we have, um, I feel like some of that has changed where people, people I think really appreciate the importance of, of really trying to, to raise their kids so that they are, um, that they know the language and they know their culture her- heritage and there there's a real awareness and intentionality around that. And I think, um, but I think, you know, in the seventies, not so much. And, and at the same time, here's, you know, as a, as a, as a, as someone who's really, who is a, an immigrant in that kind of community, just going to spend a lot of time trying to, you know, let's, let's speak English because I, I want to, I want to be able to, to to connect and and um, feel like I, I belong in this community. So my brother, my, my parents, by the time they decided they wanted to speak Spanish, we, you know, we were old enough to, to say no. <laughs> yeah. I, we don't want to have to learn, you know, this other language. And this is just more work. And of course, nobody, we're not hearing it, you know, except for our, those periods of time where we're going to Peru and in, in Roseburg. We're not hearing, you know, our that Spanish being spoken anywhere, and so I know that's something that both of my parents regretted um, that they didn't start earlier. And um, but both both my brother and I speak fluently now, and we as adults, you know, pursued that, you know, by by living in in Peru for a while, and you know that's something that's been increasingly important. Um, and one of the reasons I really am. What I, when I initially started Peace Corps Kids, you know, I was thinking about, uh, you know, I was thinking about adults like me who were raised in sort of this multicultural environment and, and sort of had this experience of both learning to navigate different worlds and um, and also maybe just that feeling of maybe not quite finding that place where you belong and really sort of building this community where um where we can connect in that way. Um, and then I, then I, uh, one of the, um, I met, I had a, a woman I'd worked with for a really long time in not super closely, but I knew of her. We kind of stumbled across paths in the last few months. And I realized I'd, what I didn't know before was that she had met her husband in the Peace Corps and they had two kids. So they had the two Peace Corps babies or two Peace Corps kids. And, um, through talking with her and I actually interviewed her daughter for a, for a a different sort of story project that was related to health equity. And she and I really had this bonding moment uh, where, when she realized that I was, I, my parents also met through the Peace Corps. She, she like was on her own, you know, gave me a high five and was like Peace Corps babies. I thought this is a thing. I said, this is a thing, you know, this is a thing that we can connect over. And and then the other angle, because I'm a parent too, I have an 11 year old and a six year old. Um, And, you know, as a parent, I thought, wow, what, how great would it be to also sort of create a community, a resource for parents who are trying to support their kids, who are maybe multiracial, multicultural, and who are working to feel, equally connected and integrated, you know, which is not an experience I had, you know, I had my Peru family and relatives that that just felt super disconnected to where I grew up and my family here in the United States. And, um, and as a parent, I've also, you know, worked to, to, to sort of support that in my own kids by they both go to a Spanish immersion program, which I, you know, had to make some sacrifices for for that to happen. And then, um, making regular visits to Peru. Um, I've also been pretty intentional about that and it's hard, it's hard work to do that. You know, I think a lot of us working full time, especially if both parents working full time and just parenting in general is, you know, can be really challenging and depending on your circumstances, then having this layer of like, I want to, I want to be able to really support um, my kids in a way that they're going to know where they come from, feel connected um, and really kind of enjoys a lot of the, the richness of that, that, um, that is sort of the, the, there's so many positives I think to, um, to being a Peace Corps kid or, you know, being a, um, uh, having a sort of this mixed uh, cultural or racial uh, background, and so part of Peace Corps Kids and part of my uh, sort of intention is to really kind of celebrate that and support families in 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 doing that for themselves and for their kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, I just kept thinking of uh, many different questions. So it's hard to segue into themselves. Just uh, <laughs> just just start rambling off questions. Why not? Uh, Sounds good. Did did your mother speak English at all before uh, coming to the United States with your father?
1: She did. She, okay. like, like many um, uh, students and kids in Peru, she went to a school where they did teach some English. So she did have, and then she worked, I think for that reason, she was able to get a job at the U.S. Embassy and, uh, and in the Peace Corps office because she was bilingual. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, because I was just thinking that, you know, that adds an other layer uh, of hardship because I, I know of people who have met uh, their significant other while in the Peace Corps. They were a host country national, but they didn't know English. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that just, um, I, I can't even imagine. Uh, but at least they hopefully have someone that understands that struggle, um, as most volunteers are learning learning the language for their first time and they can relate a little bit did you did you ever consider Peace Corps I mean you you were a direct, direct uh, result of Peace Corps uh, did you consider joining Peace Corps yourself
1: I did and in fact you know when I finished college I looked into the Peace Corps however the pro I, I sort of I guess I felt torn between doing the Peace Corps and spending time in Peru because at the time, um, you know, the Peace Corps, I believe in the 70s, um, I, the Peruvian government did not want the Peace Corps in Peru anymore. So They went through a period, very, you know, anti-colonialist uh, period and kicked the Peace Corps out. And, you know, then there was sort of the times there with the Shining Path and, you know, what was for practical purposes a civil war uh, through the 80s. And so, you know, it wasn't until recently, relatively recently, um, when the Peace Corps returned to Peru. And so, I, I I was in I lived in Peru for over a year, and I came back, and I was having trouble settling back in. And I applied for the Peace Corps. I was assigned to Paraguay, and by the t- by the time that all happened, I started to get settled in, and I. I felt like I wanted to stay in the United States for, for, for a little bit at least. And, and then, and then my life just kind of, you know, took another, another path. Um, and so, but I will say that, um, you know, I, I feel like in some ways I've, I've kind of pursued some similar type of, you know, I guess, Peace Corps experiences, uh, even if within here in the United States, when I, um, I got my master's in cultural anthropology and afterwards was really, um, really wanting to actually get a job where I was going to use my degree, which was a lot to ask at the time. It was like basically uh, September, I mean, it was September, 2001. um, And uh, I, but I ended up landing a job at North Carolina with Wake Forest university doing, it was like a, environmental justice, community-based participatory research, uh, project with, uh, farm farmworker, immigrant farm workers. Um, and so I was out, I was out in the field and, um, sort of doing, doing basically public health work, uh, with, uh, with immigrant farm worker families for, uh, for several years. And, um, you know, I got to use my, uh, my Spanish and, um, and and you know it was a way. It was really important to me to to do that. And then it also, you know, was a way to kind of immerse myself a little bit in um in another another culture, another another community. Um, I am really considering the Peace Corps, the response mm-hmm. program. Um, but you know, once my kids are a little bit bigger, I'm I I would really like to do to do something like that because I um. I'm, I'm very interested in, in, um, and, and doing that kind of work. And so we'll see.
0: Mm-hmm. And sp- speaking of your kids, are you, are you, are you secretly hoping or not so secretly, uh, hoping that maybe they'll pursue uh, the, the Peace Corps, uh, when that time comes?
1: You know, I have been thinking especially a lot about it lately. My parents are visiting here from Peru. They just happen to be visiting from here from Peru uh, this week. And, um, and I've been talking to my kids about Peace Corps kids. And then also, um, as I've been talking to my parents about it, uh, I've been thinking about that and I would, I would love it if they did. And, and I I could definitely see that. I could see that happening. Um, so, you know, I, I think I haven't up to this point, but I, I do think I might be, you know, dropping some hints plants and seeds along the way, um so that it's 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 something that, that they at least consider.
0: Mm-hmm. good, good, happy to hear that, and not surprised as well <laughs> um, <laughs> well as as you were growing up uh, in hearing about uh how your parents met in your father's service, are there any stories from his service? that that stand out to you that are sort of a a favorite of yours, either related to your, to your mother or just his experience in Peru in general?
1: You know, that's a really good question. And um, I, my dad is not a big talker. Um,
0: I I know, I know you tried to get him to actually do this interview with you and he's like in the other room avoiding me.
1: Exactly. Um, But I didn't, let him get totally off the hook. Um, So, but I will say even before that, you know, I was thinking about that. I thought, yeah, you know what? I have not heard many stories, but what I just was left with, um, I just left with a really deep sense of what a transformative experience it was for him and what a strong connection that he developed with just with the place and with the people and with Especially, I think, with sort of the highland um, mountain communities, um, you know, I just I really sense that really strongly that um, you know, throughout our um I would say over the last since I can remember, you know, I felt like he was like trying to get my mom to move back. Um, and my mom, you know, Lima is like a dusty, huge, you know, noisy, city, as many of you can imagine, um, it, or probably maybe have even been there. And it's such a stark contrast from this quiet, green, um, you know, hardly any traffic <laughs> community where we grew up. And my mom just relished that. Like, she really, she appreciated how safe she felt in our, um, where we grew up and, you know, here in the States. And you know, I think she she was really hesitant to uh, to move back, even though she's very close with her family and and they all still live there. Um, but they ended up traveling around, around quite a bit, living I think lived in South Africa and in Cyprus and um, and traveled a lot. And then I there for about eight years uh, now. And I guess so. So that to say, I feel like in that sense, I really I picked up on his the depth of, of the impact that, that his experience had on him, as well as just that he's always really emphasized, you know, intellectual and all kinds of empathy and really, you know, trying to step in other people's shoes and, and see things from other people's perspectives as, and, and respecting different beliefs and ways of life like that was, um, That came out super loud and clear in a lot of different ways, Um, and I have a strong sense that that a lot of that for him, uh, that 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 his Peace Corps experience was the foundation for a lot of that, those Mm -hmm. values and and beliefs. Um, And so, but I did think, just in particular for this podcast, I'm like, come on, Dad, I want to hear some juicy stories, you know, that um, I can tell. And I <laughs> i don't know how juicy this is, but I find this very fascinating, maybe from a perspective of like the history, thinking about the history of the Peace Corps, right? And like, how, you know, what kinds of things did, 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 did Peace Corps volunteers do, you know, way back when? And, um, right, because you have 65, that's just a few years in from when it started. And, um, he was just saying, uh, that what he, he did, one of the projects that he worked on in the mountains was working with doing audits and he had an audit, um, that he did for, it took months that was, um, for, it was a credit union that, um, uh, where that was run. This is so crazy. It was run by um, it sounded like by a French Franciscan priests. So he lived in this church, and they were concerned that their treasure was embezzling money. <laughs> and so he said, you know, the records were horrible. Like it was just like it was a super hard and horrible job. The record keeping was horrible. And of course, it's just a really unfortunate situation, I'm sure. Um, but that just really struck me because it seemed very challenging and hard in a very different way than many of the story, other stories you hear <laughs> that I've heard on your podcast. Um, and but I thought if, I thought it might be it might be kind of interesting for some Peace Corps nerds out there <laughs> who um, just did just a little a glimpse of maybe how some of the work has changed.
0: Yeah. Wow. Doing doing an audit. And I guess it was very fitting that he. Then became a, a CPA. <laughs> right. uh, I never, I never even imagined that that would one be a be a job that a Peace Corps volunteer would do, and especially in the sixties. Like you, you think okay, it's it's digging wells, you're building a school, you're working, you know, at a, a <laughs> local hospital, not not doing accounting. Um, so that's. <laughs> no. That that that's bizarre. I thought it was weird that I was teaching some women how to do Excel. Um, All right, but, but that was you know in in 2012. Uh, wow.
1: Yeah, it made me very curious about maybe what other what uh, the, the the range of projects that that other volunteers were working on at that time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now now I need to, I need to inter- I need to interview more people from the the early early years, the first decade of Peace Corps. I definitely haven't done enough because. Uh, most of my audience that I end up catching uh, hears about me uh, via social media, and most of those people in that demographic aren't as uh, involved in social media and don't spend as much time on Instagram.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, let's. I guess let's talk a little bit. We you know about Peace Corps kids now uh, this project that you started i believe you said you know really started getting serious about it about 6 months ago years before you had started this facebook group and is it is it safe to say that it's about telling stories and building a community is it something more like what do you what do you want to get out of it in let's just say by the end of, end of this year what we, where would you like to see this project and how can the community of my Peace Corps story help you do that?
1: Peace Corps Kids definitely is about sort of building the community, building the network um, and doing that through storytelling. That's sort of the first, um, I guess one of the primary um, reasons that uh, we exist. And so, in this beginning stage, you know, I think the big push this year is to get um, to find as many Peace Corps babies, Peace Corps kids that are out there who are, you know, interested in being connected. And so I already have some really awesome uh, person, Gabby Nelson, another Peace Corps kid uh, who's planning on applying for the Peace Corps who's a social media whiz, who's really already helped a lot and, you know, we'll be working together to just get the word out as much as possible. So I think that's, um, that's a big focus right now. And, um, you know, as much as uh, I'd love for people to become, we have a Facebook page, but we also have a Facebook community. So just welcoming people to, 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 to search us on Facebook and to join there, I would love. I, I I really do feel like storytelling, especially with this kind of online community, is a really great way to to create these connections. And for people who, you know, are w- very interested in telling their story, I'd love to hear from you. And for people who are interested in, um, gosh, even be you know professional development, if you want to be a part of sort of um, creating this organization, then I'd also love. Uh, love to hear from you as well, um, and then more broadly, I think kind of you know second to that is sort of this idea of storytelling um, uh, to sort of promote um, inclusion, uh, and I, I really feel like stories of of people with mixed you know identity, um, I think are especially powerful in doing that, and so I do would like to be able to share these stories more broadly. Um, how that might happen, you know, if there's anything beyond sort of the website um, or social media, I think I'm, I'm, I'd like to wait and see, you know, I come from a, both in terms of my background in cultural anthropology and in, in really community based work. I, I, I want to hear these stories and I want to hear what people are interested in or ideas that people have, like what else, what else can we do? You know, once once we I think get the the build the community, you know, hit to a certain um, to a certain point and I'm feeling a little bit established. I I love I am really interested in and in hearing and having people shape sort of if there is if there is anything else what what it might be.
0: Well, there it is, guys. You've heard it. If you're interested, uh, it's easy to find peacecorekids.com Kids dot com. That couldn't be. More simple than that. And then I'm, I'm guessing you have there is there a contact form on there? Or is there yes, how how, yes. Does, how do people reach out after that? Okay, I see there's a get involved, I'm assuming. What do we have here? Yes. I have a
1: really email a very easy email address, which is Julie at PeacecoreKids.com. So either you can use the contact form, you can or you can email me uh directly there. That email address is also on the website. Um, and you can also message us, if, if you are on Facebook, you can also message us um, Peace Corps Kids uh, through Facebook as well.
0: Perfect. Very easy. Uh, well, I look forward to seeing this project grow. As soon as you reached out to me, uh, I was Very eager to to connect with you and hopefully that we have some opportunities in the future. We've talked before this interview and just sort of brainstorming uh, where we can, you know, collaborate a little bit, uh, pull our resources and connect more people of the shared Peace Corps community. In closing, I, I like to ask people if they have a favorite quote or local saying, um, but usually they, they know this before starting the interview. Um, I didn't send you the, the pre-interview questions like I usually do because they're all about the person's Peace Corps service. Like, well, she's not going to be able to answer any of these, and this is going to be useless. Uh, but the one that I, that I probably should have warned you about was the quote. So as okay. I'm, I'm filling space with just rambling on, Hopefully, you're thinking of something from Peru. Maybe it's in Spanish. Maybe it's in Quechua. I don't know if you've picked up any Quechua along the way, but some mm-hmm. saying that that really speaks to you. What, what do you have to share with us?
1: Well, you know, I guess the first thing that comes to mind um, is actually something that my grandmother, um, Julia, Said, um, I don't know if it's a, a saying, but um, which is, you know, she uh, had, and I'd heard this through my uncle when I was when I was researching my family history, and she was when she would listen to the music music on the radio. the music of her ancestors that her soul would fly. And the reason that that's really stuck with me is that I has been it has been such uh, so important for me to um, know where I come from and really uh, explore and understand and get to know my ancestors through stories and through pictures and I, I have had that similar experience of, of feeling like my kind of my my soul taking flight as I've done that and um, And so that's sort of the, that's the, that's the quote that, that, that comes to to mind first.
0: Well, I think that's absolutely perfect. And I think Peace Corps volunteers uh, will resonate with that and from, from their service as well. I know whenever I get a whiff of a a smell or hear a song, or I just have that little thing, it's sort of that transcendent, like flutter in, in your stomach of Mm -hmm. just sort of joy and floaty, airiness so I, I I think I know exactly what you're talking about well Julie I've had an absolute pleasure uh, hearing about your background uh, how you came to be uh, as a as a Peace Corps kid uh, a direct result of 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 your father's peace corps service meeting your mother in Peru uh, some of the difficulties, uh, growing up and trying to find your identity, uh, connecting with your family in Peru, and then now connecting with this uh, larger Peace Corps kids community. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Tyler. I've enjoyed it as well.
0: And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Core Story podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get a new episode when I release them every single Tuesday. And I made an ask last, in last week's episode that if you have enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please take a few minutes and share this podcast with someone who you think will also enjoy it. With your help, the My Peace Corps Story podcast will continue to grow and allow me to share more and more stories. It is only with your help that this podcast can be a success. So please, if you have enjoyed this episode, a different episode, all the episodes, take a moment and share with friends, family, everybody you know, or just one single person. Thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?